Is there a desire in you to not just attend revival, but live in revival? Welcome to the Revival Lifestyle Podcast. I'm your host, Isaiah Saldivar. I've been in revival for the last 10 years, as well as traveling and being a part of many revivals throughout the United States. I'm going to be sharing with you how to live a radical lifestyle of revival on a daily basis. Miss that tonight we're going to be talking about the single most important person in existence, and that is the Holy Spirit. Last week we talked about the most important place in the world, and today we're going to be talking about the most important person in the entire world. Now, it's one thing to hear about the Holy Spirit. Many of you have heard about the Holy Spirit. It's another thing to actually know the Holy Spirit. And at the end of the broadcast, we are going to be praying for the baptism of the Holy Spirit, and we're going to also be talking about practical ways to receive in the Holy Spirit. I know there's many of you in here, over 1,500 viewers, help me by sharing this, that have saying, Isaiah, I've never received the baptism of the Holy Spirit. I've never received the power of the Holy Spirit. I've never walked in the gifts of the Holy Spirit. Well, tonight we have good news because we are going to be praying. Come on, we are going to be believing. We are going to be asking for the Holy Spirit. And tonight, some of you that have never prayed in tongues, I'm not talking about speaking in an unknown language. I'm talking about praying in tongues. Some of you that have never walked in the power or the authority that God has given you. Some of you that have felt bound, you felt weary, felt tired, are going to get the power of the Holy Spirit tonight. As we learn about it, as we talk about it, as we pray, the Holy Spirit is going to be poured out. The Holy Spirit is going to be released. And I want to say something very important, that the Holy Spirit is the one that changes everything. You can be in church your entire life and hear all about him, but never meet him. Everything changed for Isaiah Saldivar when he encountered the Holy Spirit. Everything I learned, I grew up in church and at 16, I stopped going and I became a self-proclaimed atheist, whatever that means. And I'm telling you, when I encountered the Holy Spirit, years of being raised in church, years of hearing about it, all of a sudden it came alive on the inside of me. So I just want to say, maybe you have kids that have been raised in church and you say, Isaiah, they don't want nothing to do with God. They don't want to get saved. They don't want to get delivered. They don't want to encounter God. They think God is boring. They are one encounter away from everything changing. One encounter with the Holy Spirit changes everything. My entire world, type one, if you have this story, my entire world was changed when I encountered the Holy Spirit. So I'm not talking tonight about somebody that I know from a distance. I'm not talking about somebody that I read about in a book. This is not a philosophy. This is not a theory. This is not ideology. This is the kingdom of God in action. The Holy Spirit is God working on the earth. If you wonder how to connect with God, it's through the Holy Spirit. This is God on the earth. And tonight, some of you, I'm so excited because you don't even know that your name is on God's calendar. Come on, share this broadcast. And some of you are going to encounter the Holy Spirit for the first time tonight. Maybe years and years. Maybe you've been in the for a year and you say I just never had that moment where the Holy Spirit filled me with his power and tonight is going to be that moment I believe by faith is going to be that moment tonight some of you tonight are going to come out of religion you're going to come out of complacency you're going to come out of status quo and your entire life God not being real to you God is going to be real to you now it's possible for you to be a believer and have never even heard about the Holy Spirit Acts 19 verse 1 and by the way, we're going to give you over 50 verses tonight. So I need you guys to just be ready. Have your notepads, whatever you have out. But Acts 19 verse 1, Paul, the Bible says Paul traveled through the interior regions and then Paul reached Ephesus and on the coast he found several believers. Listen to what it says here. And Paul asked these believers, so you're believers, he found them and he said, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? And this is what the question asked. And this is what they said. No, we have not even heard. Listen to this. We have not even 
and heard that there is a Holy Spirit. And then Paul said, then what baptism did you experience? And they replied, the baptism of John. And then Paul said, John's baptism called for repentance from sin, but John himself told the people to believe in the one who would come later, meaning Jesus. And as soon as they heard this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. Then when Paul laid his hands on them, Paul lays his hands on them, the Holy Spirit came on them and they spoke in other tongues and they prophesied. There were about 12 men in all. so these were believers that had never received the power of the Holy Spirit. And there's some of you that are like these Acts 19.1 believers that have never received the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And Paul laid his hands on them and they received the Holy Spirit. Tonight, listen, we don't even have to lay our hands on you because throughout this broadcast, the Holy Spirit can just fill you. Let me tell you this. When I got filled with the Holy Spirit, January 12, 2011, I went from death to life. I went from being atheist to revivalist. I got saved and full of the Holy Spirit all on the same night. Nobody was laying hands on me and I received the Holy Spirit speaking in tongues with nobody laying hands on me. Is it possible to receive the Holy Spirit with nobody laying hands on you? Well, the Bible says Jesus blew the Holy Spirit on the disciples. And if you read the book of Acts, when they all got filled with the Holy Spirit, the 120 disciples, nobody laid hands on them. But the Bible says there was a mighty rushing wind. So tonight we are believing for the mighty rushing wind to show up in this broadcast and to fill you with the Holy Spirit. God's desire is to fill you with the Holy Spirit, to fill you with his power, to fill you with his anointing. And many people don't even realize there's a Holy Spirit. Many people don't realize the Holy Spirit is not a new principle, but he's been moving since the beginning of time. He is not a New Testament only. Some people think, well, he's just from the New Testament. He's not only in the New Testament because Genesis 1-2 says, and the earth was out without form and void and darkness was on the face of the deep and the spirit of God or the Holy Spirit was hovering over the face of the waters. Then God said, let there be light and there was light. So here we have the Holy Spirit at creation hovering over the face of the waters, hovering, suggesting that of a bird. Because remember Luke 3:22, it identifies the Holy Spirit as a dove. And here we are in Genesis and the dove of the Holy Spirit is hovering over the waters. So he's not just a side part of God. He's fully God and he's been there since before time was created. The Holy Spirit, write this down, is a person just as much as the Father and the Son are a person. He's not just a force. He's not something that just shows up in meetings or, or in powerful moments. The Holy Spirit is a person and you need to know this because he wants to relate to you like a person. He wants you to talk to him like a person. He wants to, you to honor him like a person. He wants you to invite him in like a person. He can be offended like a person. He can be grieved like a person. He can be saddened. We can quench him. And so we have to make sure that we're taking care of the Holy Spirit in our lives and we're not treating him as if he's like some mystical flame that shows up, but he is a person and longs for relationship. Now, this is the single-handedly most powerful powerful revelation you could ever receive is that the Holy Spirit is a person and it will change everything. Now you might say, well, I know he's a person, but then the next question is, well, do you spend time with him? If he's a person, do you communicate it with him? Do you know him? Or is it possible that we're telling you all these things about the Holy Spirit, but never actually introducing you to the Holy Spirit? And that is what the essence of religion is. Religion will teach you all about him, but you'll never have an opportunity to encounter him. And tonight, as we're preaching, I feel a moving right now. I feel a fire type one, if you feel this, of the Holy Spirit, because as we talk about him, the Holy Spirit begins to move. So you have to understand that over and over and over in the Old Testament, the Spirit of God, 
the Spirit of the Lord and the Holy Spirit would come over someone and they would do great and mighty exploits that would otherwise be impossible. Now, the difference between the way the Holy Spirit moved in the Old Testament versus the New Testament is in the Old Testament, he would dwell on people. Well, in the New Testament, he would dwell inside of people. So understand that the beauty now is that the Holy Spirit is dwelling on the inside of you because you as a believer, come on guys, help me tonight, are a temple of the Holy Spirit. And because he lives on the inside of us, we're able to walk in the divine power and the divine authority. And sadly, the Holy Spirit has been left out in most churches. He's not accepted in most churches. The Holy Spirit is not welcomed in most churches. The Holy Spirit is not invited into most churches. The Holy Spirit is not celebrated. And in fact, the Holy Spirit in most churches, if you can't hear me, reset your broadcast, refresh the page because we're going in smooth on my end. The Holy Spirit is not even allowed to move in most churches. And many of you can testify that the pastor or the leader of your church does not give the Holy Spirit room to move, does not let the Holy Spirit speak words out of him. He has to stay on notes. He has to stay on a page. Everything's always planned months ahead of time in the series. We have to have our sermon series a month ahead of time. Literally, pastors plan three months of sermons. I'm going, how can you let the Holy Spirit move if you have everything scheduled out? We don't inquire of the Holy Spirit. We don't ask the Holy Spirit. And then we say, okay, Holy Spirit, if you want to move, you can move for five minutes at the altar after we're done taking up offering and we're done preaching and you got about five minutes to move. And I know because I've preached in over 500 churches, I've traveled for 10 years and I've gone to places, not all places, there's many places that let him move, but other places, literally I've flown across the country and they said, okay, you have 22 minutes to preach and you have four and a half minutes. I'm not lying. Four and a half minutes for the altar call. And then we have to make sure we end the service to get the next service in so that we can get him in, get him out. And we treat church like in and out burgers. And this is the way religion is. It doesn't let the move of the Holy Spirit. It puts the dove in cages. Remember when Jesus showed up to the temple, the Holy Spirit was locked in cages and Jesus kicked over the cages and let the dove out. So God wants to let the Holy Ghost out in your church. If you're a pastor, if you're a leader, come on, we're about to break 2000 viewers. Let the Holy Spirit move in your church. Let the Holy Spirit. One of the things you guys know, I pray and I've asked the Lord since we started was God, I don't want this to be a natural broadcast. If you wonder why, are you always preaching about the supernatural because i want this to be a place a dwelling place where the holy ghost has liberty to move holy ghost whatever you want to do you can do there's no agenda there's no you can just move how you want to move say what you want to say so i'm not going to cater to religious people on our broadcast i'm not going to cater to the lukewarm some of you say well you can have a lot more viewers if you are sensitive to the seeker seeker sensitive i am sensitive to those that are actually seeking god but i'm not sensitive to those that are seeking religion because i want to move of the Holy Spirit in my life. I can't survive. I'm like a deer panting for rivers of living water. I need the move of the Holy Ghost to survive. I need a relationship with the Holy Spirit. I, friend, listen, I'm impressed that some of you can do Christianity without the Holy Spirit. I'm impressed that some of you can go to a church with no Holy Spirit moving. I'm impressed that you could even survive without encountering the Holy Spirit and knowing the Holy Spirit and talking to the Holy Spirit there has to be a closeness closeness because the Holy Spirit is the forgotten God of the church. We've left him out. We say, oh, we love Jesus. I'm preaching truth tonight, y'all. I don't know what to tell you. I'm preaching truth. We say we love Jesus. He redeemed us. We love God the Father because he sent Jesus, but we completely leave out the third part of the Godhead, and that's the Holy Spirit. And I want to show you something you've probably never seen, that the Holy Spirit was throughout the entire, not just Old Testament, but the entire 
entire story of redemption. The Holy Spirit literally moved throughout the story of Jesus and the story of redemption. And I don't know how we've left him out of the church. The very conception of Jesus was by the Holy Spirit. The Bible says God the Father caused Jesus to be conceived by the Holy Spirit in the womb of the Virgin Mary, Luke 1.35. And so the very way Jesus came to the earth was through conception of the Holy Spirit, the beginning of the ministry of Jesus. The Bible says when Jesus submitted himself to the baptism of John to fulfill righteousness, and that was in Matthew 3.15, the Holy Spirit descended upon Jesus, the beginning of his ministry in the form of a dove, and the Father acknowledged him as the Son, Luke Luke 3:21. Jesus came out of the wilderness in the beginning of his ministry with the power. Come on, let's break 2000 right here. With the power of the Holy Spirit. The ongoing ministry of Jesus was led by the power of the Holy Spirit. Peter said this in Acts 10:38 that God the Father anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power who went about doing good and healing all those that were oppressed of the devil. This was by the power of the Holy Spirit. The sacrifice of Jesus on the cross. Hebrews 9.14 says, Christ, through the eternal spirit, which is the Holy Spirit, offered himself without spot to God the Father. So Christ, through the Holy Spirit, offered himself to God. Are you guys seeing this? The Holy Spirit in the beginning, not only in the beginning, the birth of Jesus, the ministry starting, the power of his ministry, the sacrifice on the cross, the resurrection, Romans 1, 4 and Romans 8, 11. God, the father resurrected Jesus by the power of the Holy Spirit. How did Jesus come out of the grave? Well, the Bible says he wrought Christ from the grave with the spirit. It was the power of the Holy Spirit that raised Jesus from the dead, that brought him out of the grave. Death, where is your sting? This was by the Holy Spirit. And it doesn't end at the resurrection because because on the day of Pentecost, Acts 2.33, the Bible says that he was exalted to the right hand of God the Father. Jesus received from him, the Father, the gift of the Holy Spirit and poured it out on his disciples. So Jesus exalts to the right hand of God and then takes the Holy Spirit, which the Father gave to him and pours it out on his disciples. So every step of redemption, the Holy Spirit played a vital role and continues to play the vital role today. There is no one Write this down as we just broke 2,000 viewers. Share this, share this and help me. There is no one that is more important than the Holy Spirit. He has to be the most important person in your life. And I want you to ask yourself right now, we're getting real nitty gritty tonight. Is the Holy Spirit the most important person in my life? Is he the one that I think about? Friend, listen, when I go to bed, I think about him. When I wake up, I think about him. He consumes my mind all day, every day. I'm consumed by this thought of God and the Holy Spirit as a person. He has to be more important. I know I'm gonna ruffle feathers. It's okay, praise the Lord. He has to be more important and above your kids. He has to be above your husband, above your wife, above your boss, above your friends, above your degree. He has to reign supreme over everything in your life and knowing him h-i-m capital h not it knowing him has to be your greatest desire friend knowing the holy spirit is the greatest desire of my life and this is why i'm so excited tonight because tonight as we learn about him we get to know him better and i don't know about you listen we're 15 minutes well 28 minutes but 15 minutes of preaching in and i could listen to 
things about the Holy Spirit, teachings on the Holy Spirit, and experience the Holy Spirit for 10 hours and not get bored. Because I'm telling you, you can talk about him for 100 hours straight and never exhaust his glory, his majesty, his mystery, his power, his authority, his character, his nature, his attributes. This is, I'm talking about an infinite well of knowledge, of power, of glory, of understanding in the Holy Spirit. And friend, you are going to be in eternity, in heaven one day, and a billion years will go by and it'll be like the first day and you'll barely begin to understand the power of the Holy Spirit. You'll barely begin to understand God the Father. You'll barely be able to understand Jesus the Son after a billion years. This is the power. The Bible says the angels are around the throne of God singing holy, holy, that you are unlike any other God, that there's nobody like you. Friend, there's no idol. There's no statue. There's no other God. The Bible says all your other gods have eyes, but they don't see. They have ears but they don't hear our God is living and active and God moving on the earth is working through the power of the Holy Spirit and you have to understand that you'll never know who you are unless you know who he is that the Holy Spirit everybody is on a search to find themselves and I'm telling you right now the only place that you can find yourself is by looking to the person that designed you the person that crafted you the person that the Bible says knew you before you were in your mother's womb he goes Jeremiah I knew you before the womb how did you know me he knew you in the spiritual realm the Holy Spirit knew you before you were even born so you're not going to find yourself at a bar you're not going to find yourself at a club you're not going to find yourself in a relationship you're not going to find yourself in a ministry or some career your life is only found in God from the true you is found in God people leave God and say I just got to take a break from being a Christian to go find myself to find out who I really am you're never going to find it outside of God who you truly are is in the person of the Holy Spirit and if you want to know who you are you got to get to know who God is. Jesus said, if you want to find your life, you must lose your life. Lose the person the world crafted you to be and get connected to the person that God designed you to be. Does the clay tell the potter how to mold it or where it came from? No. So understand that you're merely clay. The Holy Spirit is the potter. He's the one right now. Listen, as I'm preaching, the Holy Spirit is speaking a hundred different words to a hundred different people. There's 2,100 of you. And the Holy Spirit is speaking a specific message to each person right now. To one person, he's speaking one thing. To another person, he's speaking another thing. The Holy Spirit is moving right now in this broadcast over you, doing something new and speaking something fresh. And some of you are hearing one thing and others of you are hearing another thing because that is the infinite power of the Holy Spirit. His power cannot be limited. It cannot be measured the Holy Spirit was the power source in the ministry of Jesus and he must be the power source in our lives and in our ministries if Jesus needed the power of the Holy Spirit what makes you think that you can live your Christian life without the power of the Holy Spirit now until the Holy Spirit came upon Jesus at the Jordan River after John's, John's baptism Jesus never preached and he never performed a miracle. He waited until the Holy Spirit came on him before he started preaching and doing miracles. Now imagine how many ministers and how many pastors would be out of business if they said, I'm not gonna start my ministry until I get the Holy Spirit's power in my life. I need the power of the Holy Spirit. I I literally can't do this without the power of the Holy Spirit. I rely on him and I lean on him to do everything in my life. We need to stop thinking, well, someday I'll get a hold of God and someday God 
God's going to launch me out. No, you get the Holy Ghost and then God launches you out because it is impossible to do everything that God has called you to do without the power of the Holy Spirit. In Acts 10 38, speaking to the crowd of people gathered in the house of Cornelius, Peter described the ministry of Jesus. And Peter said, God anointed Jesus of Nazareth. So God anoints Jesus with the Holy Spirit and with power. And Jesus went about doing all that good, healing all who were oppressed of the devil for God was with him. So God, the father anoints Jesus, the son with the Holy Spirit, the person of, of the Holy Spirit, the spirit of almighty God anoints Jesus. And Matthew 11, I'm sorry, in Matthew 3, 11, John the Baptist said, I baptize you with water under repentance, but he who's coming is greater and mightier than me, whose sandals I'm not even worthy to untie, who will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. Jesus was the baptizer of the Spirit. He baptized even the disciples. If you didn't know this, the disciples got baptized in the Holy Spirit before the upper room. The upper room is the second time those 11 disciples got full of the Holy Spirit. Now you can't give someone something that you don't have. And that's why tonight it's so important that you receive this baptism. Tonight you get full of the Holy Spirit because now Bible says freely you've been given, freely you give. You can go ahead and lay hands on people and they can receive, according to the book of Acts, the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Jesus promised the Holy Spirit to the disciples just like he's promised you and me the Holy Spirit if we ask him. Listen, there's 2,200 of you. Jesus has promised you the Holy Spirit, okay? It's not a maybe. It's not if it's my will, if I feel like it. You have a promise. And God is not a man that he should lie. He doesn't break his promises. He said, I have promised you the Holy Spirit. All you have to do is ask. And so understand this. All we got to do is ask and Jesus promises. I want you to write this down. One of the most important texts in scripture of the Holy Spirit is going to be found in John 14, 15. I told you you're going to get over 50 verses tonight. And in John 14, 15, Jesus describes and says this to the disciples. If you love me, obey my commandments and I will pray to the father and he will give you, listen to this, another helper that he may abide with you forever. The spirit of truth, that's the person he's talking about, whom the world is unable to receive because it neither has seen him or knows him. But you know him, he dwells in you, he dwells with you, and he will be in you. I will not leave you orphans, I will come to you. I want you to see what Jesus said. Jesus said, the Father will give you another helper. Now, what is the meaning of Jesus saying another helper in this context? It means Jesus as a person who had been with his disciples for three and a half years was now saying, I'm going to leave you, but when I go, another person, another helper, the Holy Spirit will come in my place and will take over the role that I had while I was with you. Second, Jesus used a very particular word to describe the Holy Spirit and it, as translated in this text, helper. The King James says comforter and the New International Version says counselor. The Greek word is parakletos and this word translated in English is paraclete. So he says, I'm going to send the paraclete and this is someone that's called alongside to help you. Literally, it's a coworker and someone who can do something you can't do yourself. And he says, I'm going to send this person Somebody is coming. You cannot see him. And this is why we forgot him in the church. This is why we don't preach on him, why we don't talk to him, why we don't spend time with him. You can't see him with your eyes. But I'm going to show you how he works and how to see him later. But he says, I'm going to send this person to work with you. So we have three concepts. He goes, I'm going to send the helper, 
also the comforter, also the counselor. And this is the paraclete. This is your coworker. You will not, write this down, survive in the year 2021 without the paraclete. You will not survive without the teacher. You'll not survive without the helper. And you will not survive. And friend, without scaring you, there is a storm coming. There is judgment coming. There is wrath coming. There is all out chaos that is coming to the earth that is going to break out. And we've only taste a small piece of it this last pandemic. There is all out chaos getting ready to break out in our world. And the only one that's going to get you through the storm, the only way, listen to me if you have kids and you're married, that your family is going to weather the storm that is coming is through the help of the Holy Spirit. I'm telling you right now, without the Holy Spirit, you will not be able to weather the coming storm. The waves are going to get larger. The storm is going to get stronger. The persecution is going to get greater greater and you'll never survive without the helper without the comforter without the teacher you need this but i want to show you this the bible says he's the advocate the advocate in latin is the word lawyer so we all know that the role of a lawyer or eternity or attorney is to speak out on our behalf it's to speak out in our defense my sister shout out to her is actually a lawyer she's an attorney so god says i'm going to send you the advocate who's going to be your lawyer. That's literally where the Latin word comes from. And he's going to defend you. Now, why would I need to be defended? Because remember the Bible says the devil is the accuser of the brethren. So the Holy Spirit literally in Latin is the lawyer that's going to be your defense attorney against the power of the enemy. Jesus is our advocate in heaven at the right hand of God, according to Romans 8.34. The Holy Spirit is our advocate on the earth that's helping us. Now, Romans 8.26 describes that when we don't know what to pray, when we're weak, when we don't understand, which I'll show you later, the Holy Spirit prays things through us we could never pray. So the Holy Spirit is our advocate on the earth in prayer. So think about this. Think about this. Oh, I feel the Holy Spirit on this right here. You have two of the greatest attorneys, lawyers in the entire universe. Jesus, he's your attorney in heaven. The Holy Spirit, he's your lawyer on earth. How could you ever lose a case? It's no wonder the Bible says if he's for us, who can be against us, friend? What demon, what demonic power, what principality can stop you, can accuse you when you have Jesus and the Holy Spirit as your lawyer? Understand that nothing can bring you down, nothing can separate, and nothing can stop you when you got the two of the greatest lawyers. Now, if you're going to ever overcome a case, if you're ever going to win something in the court of law, you need a good lawyer. That's the number one thing. And it's an expensive thing to get a good lawyer. How many know a good lawyer, you, you call them on the phone, $3,000. I'm going to send you a bill after that phone call. It's like, I just talked to you for three minutes and you charge me 3000 Why? Because lawyers have power and authority that a natural civilian does not have. And God says, I have paid an incredibly high pr price by sending my son to be your lawyer. And then Jesus said, I'm going to go back to the father. I'll be your lawyer and I'll intercede for you. That's where Jesus is at, by the way, in heaven, interceding on our behalf according to the book of Hebrews, and the Holy Spirit's going to come. And I'm going to show you later that Jesus said, it's better that I stay up in heaven so that the Holy Spirit could stay on earth. I'm going to show you this later, but he says, I'm going to go to heaven, be your lawyer. The Holy Spirit's going to be your lawyer on earth. So you are justified. Every case that comes up against you, you win. Every accusation, when the enemy says, well, 11 years ago, Isaiah was watching pornography. 12 years ago, Isaiah was doing this. 13 years ago, Isaiah was an atheist. He was angry. He was cussing. Every other word was the 
the F word. And he's accusing me and he has this entire case against me, against my past. And the Holy Spirit and Jesus tag team defend me against the vice of the enemy and say, well, we already took that penalty on the cross and there's no such thing as double jeopardy. There is no condemnation for them that are in Christ because Jesus already took the penalty. So the enemy cannot accuse me because God is fighting for me. I came to tell somebody the Holy Spirit is your defense attorney. The Holy Spirit is going to fight for me. The Holy Spirit did not graduate Harvard. He created the universe. We're not talking about just some person that just came out of law school. We're talking about the creator of the heavens and the earth. The one that was there before time was constructed that says, I'm going to go to bat for you. When you're in the ninth inning, when you're at the bottom of the ninth and you're three runs down and the bases are loaded and you need someone to go to bat and hit a home run for you. The Holy Ghost says, I'm up to bat. I'm going to go ahead and hit that grand slam for you because I have your back. I am your advocate. Uh, oh, I feel the Holy Spirit strong tonight. I am your coworker. I am your comforter. I am your paraclete. I'm the one that works alongside of you. So don't think you're by yourself. If you think, well, my family's not saved. My friends aren't saved, but you have the Holy Spirit that's with you. Come on, let's break 2,500 viewers. We're about to hit it. You have the Holy Spirit to help you. Now, Jesus goes on in John 14. Watch what he says. And he says, he will be forever with us. So he says this, listen, I'm leaving you. And this is why he said this. It all makes sense now. He goes, I'm about to leave you just so you know, but do not be heartbroken. And we know the heart the disciples, they were heartbroken. He says, you're going to feel like, I'm just going to tell you, you're going to feel like I've left you. You're going to feel like you have no help. You're going to feel like you can't do this by yourself, but I'm going to send you another helper. I'm the first helper. I'm going to send you another helper, the Holy Spirit. And when he comes, he's never going to leave you the way I'm leaving you. He's going to be with you forever. Friend, the Holy Spirit is not going to leave you. The devil is a liar. I know those demons have been saying, oh, the Holy Spirit's gonna leave you. He doesn't care about you. The Holy Spirit is not going to leave you. He cares about you. He loves you. And he's always going to be there. Write that down. That's a promise. He will be with you forever. And the Bible says this, he dwells with you and he will be in you. The phrase in you is important because this advocate, this paraclete, this helper, this comforter is going to now, according to Jesus, according to John 14, is going to live on the inside of his followers. So his followers are now going to be the resident address, primary residence of the Holy Spirit. Oh, I feel the Holy Ghost tonight. Write this down. You are not a timeshare for the Holy Spirit. You are not a weekend cabin for the Holy Spirit. You are not an Airbnb for the Holy Spirit. You are the Holy Spirit's primary residence. You are where the Holy Spirit lives. Jesus said that the address of the Holy Spirit is inside of you. That's his address. Last week I told you the Father's address on the earth is the secret place, but Jesus tells us in John 14, the Holy Spirit's address is living on the inside of you. This is where he lives. Think about this. He lives in me. He doesn't rent me. He owns me. His residence, and that's why Jesus goes, you don't have to go far to find the kingdom. You guys say the kingdom's there, the kingdom's there. I say the kingdom's upon you. It's living on the inside of me. Why are you shouting? Why are you yelling? Because I have God living on the inside of me. I'm not some weak, anemic, poor, broken down, side of the road, need an oil change, in check engine light on grasshopper, McDonald's Christian. I am a son of almighty God and the spirit of God, the same spirit that 
that raised Christ, which was the Holy Spirit, is living on the inside of me. So miss me without, oh, I just don't know, brother. I don't know if I'm going to make it another day. What do you mean? You have the Holy Spirit as your defense attorney. You are going to make it in Jesus' name. His power is living. Who am I preaching to tonight? His power is living on the inside of you. He can live anywhere in the universe anywhere and by the way i do my pointing finger he goes like is that illuminati no i'm just pointing because i'm excited he can live anywhere in the universe anywhere newport beach hawaii he can live in trinidad topago the beaches of the mediterranean he can live anywhere 40 million dollar mansion 500 million dollar mansion he can run the entire anywhere he wants to live and when he goes home shopping and the father looks at looks at the holy spirit and says okay holy spirit you have you can live anywhere you want you can live in the stars you can live in the moon you can live anywhere in the mountains and the bible says god is hidden this treasure in earthen vessels. So God hides his spirit. He goes, where should I hide this? Where should I put this? In us. And the Holy Spirit says, okay, I don't really want to live in the stars. I don't want to live in the galaxy. I don't want to live in the Milky Way. I don't want to live in the majesty, the glory, the mountains, the house, the 50 million magic. I want to live inside them. And the God the Father, and I'm role playing here, okay? This is not a scripture. Listen to what I'm saying. And God the Father says, wait, you want to live inside of people, inside of broken, hurting, weak, smashed, contrite vessels and the bible says god hides his power puts his power the same spirit that raised christ god has now put inside of earthen vessels in fact second corinthians 4 7 says we now have this light shining in our hearts but we ourselves are like fragile clay jars containing this great treasure and this makes it clear that our great power is from god not from ourselves so we are these fragile clay vessels like you can die any moment friend you're fragile you get in the car you get in a car accident and you're standing before god the next moment on judgment day you are a fragile vessel and god says it's my mighty power not my power it's the mighty power of god people say well you're gonna get prideful going viral getting a lot of followers prideful about what friend isaiah saldivar is nothing for me to live as christ and die as gain i am a nobody you wait you think i can preach you think i'm anointed you think that i have a special gift i have this much that's that's how much i have zero i have nothing i have nothing i am dead to self and the only thing i have to offer is the holy spirit shining through me i am a clay fragile weak contrite broken man that lays on his face and gets on his knees and says lord i'm nothing without you i'm a beggar i am poor i am broke without you i have nothing without your spirit if the holy spirit leaves me Believe this, I will delete my page and you will never hear a word from Isaiah Saldivar. That is my, my greatest fear is losing the Holy Spirit, losing the anointing. I don't walk around, oh, I'm just a great man of God. If you've met me, you know that I'm just a normal, weak, broken person that has yielded myself and let the Holy Spirit make me his home. So stop having an open house for the enemy every weekend and understand that the Holy Ghost is living on the inside of you. You're his address and you get this, I'm telling y'all, this will change everything. I'm sorry that a pastor, and we just broke 2,500 viewers, praise the Lord. I'm sorry that a pastor never told you that you were the Holy Spirit's residence and they told you that God can only move and show up in the church. But I want you to know, and we're just getting warmed up by the way tonight, guys. I want you to know that the Holy Spirit lives in you. You're his address. And this is why you need to be careful when you're talking bad about yourself. How would you like somebody coming into your house and saying, oh, this house is ugly. The property's ugly. The grass is undone. The neighborhood's ugly. I don't like this. And talking smack yet this is what happens when you stand in front of the mirror 
and say, I'm never going to amount to anything. I'm worthless. I'm good. I'm not good looking. I'm not gifted. I'm unhappy. I'm depressed. I'm anxious. I'm this. And you start bad mouthing the house of the Holy Spirit. You are God's masterpiece. You know what that means? It means out of a million paintings, he picks his very best creation and says, that's the, that's the, that's the masterpiece. There's nothing worth more. It's worth everything. It's one of a kind. I didn't make two. There's no such thing as two masterpieces. Oh, every artist only allowed to have one masterpiece. This is my masterpiece. So stop calling God's home the ghetto. Stop go calling God's home trash. Stop calling God's home worthless. You are not worthless. You are not the ghetto. You are not trash. You are a $50 million mansion on Newport Beach to the Holy Spirit. And he's chosen to live on the inside of you. And so stop talking bad about yourself and stop talking bad about others. Now in John 14, 15, going on here, Jesus said, I will not leave you orphans. And here's the implication. Without the Holy Spirit, the disciples would have been left as, with, as orphans with no one to care for them, help them, or instruct them. But through the Holy Spirit, complete provision has been made for us to have our Father through the Holy Spirit. So I want you to notice the last phrase Jesus makes, now pay attention to this because I promise you, you probably never heard this before. The last phrase Jesus makes in John 14 talking about the Holy Spirit was he says, I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. Jesus was not talking about the second coming of Christ. The Bible says only God knows, not, it's not even, the son doesn't even know when it, when it is. This was not the second coming. But Jesus said, I'm not going to leave you orphans. I will come to you. Now we know by John 14, the disciples don't know what Jesus is talking about because later he's going to tell us they don't know. Here's what he was saying. Get ready for this. He was saying, and we just broke 2,500, praise the Lord. He was saying this, I will come back to you very soon, but I'm going to come in the form of the Holy Spirit. So Christ returns to his disciples in the power of the Holy Spirit. So while he was on earth in his body, Jesus can only be in one place at one time. He could talk to Peter. He could talk to John. He could talk to Mary Magdalene one at a time. He could not talk to all three of them at once in different conversations at the same time. He was limited to time and space. But then he said, I will come back to you in the Holy Spirit. And now I'm going to be free from limitations and I'm going to be free from the bounds of time and space. So no wonder why the disciples. Now here's what happened. The disciples did not write the gospels till 30 to 50 years after Jesus left or died. Why? Why did they wait 30 years? I'm going to tell you why. Because of this verse, John 14, Jesus said, I'm going to come back to you. So they thought he was coming right back, not realizing. So why would we write, why would we write the gospels if he's coming right back and going to take us home? He didn't realize when he said, I'm coming right back or coming back to you. He was not coming naturally. He was coming by the Holy Spirit because the Holy Spirit is as much God as Jesus and the Father. So he said, I'm coming back to the Holy Spirit. So they didn't even write the gospels. They waited 30 years to write the gospels because they thought he was coming right back, not realizing he was coming right back. He was coming back through the power of the Holy Spirit. So the beauty of the Holy Spirit is he's not limited to time. He's not limited to space. He can be at all places at all times. And this is why he can be in the United States speaking to somebody. He can be in Africa healing somebody. He can be in Australia delivering somebody. Somebody. He could be bringing hope to a broken heart in Indonesia all at the same time. Now, Jesus couldn't do that because he was bound to time or space. He could only be at one place at one time. He didn't show up two places at once. Now, Jesus says something very interesting in John 16, 7. He says, nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is to your advantage. Now, this is not Isaiah, so stay with me. It is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the helper is not going to come. But if I depart, I'm going to send him to you. So Jesus said, listen, 
Now listen, I cannot be on earth and the Holy Spirit be on earth doing what he needs to do at the same time. So this is very clear. This is what Jesus said. As long as I'm with you in person on earth, Jesus said, as long as I'm with you in person on earth, the Holy Spirit's going to stay in heaven as a person. But if I go away, this is not my words, it's Jesus. If I go away as a person, then I'll send another person in my place. That's the Spirit. So the Holy Spirit coming was a divine person exchange. It was the divine person of Jesus, the divine person of the Holy Spirit exchanging. The Holy Spirit said, I'm going to leave heaven and go to earth. And Jesus said, I'm going to leave earth to go to heaven. So for a while, the son was as a person, was on the earth. Then he went back to heaven and his ministry is complete now. He's in his place. And the Bible says the Holy Spirit, who is another divine person, is now come to the earth to continue the ministry that Jesus has. Oh, this is good preaching. If you're not getting blessed tonight, I'm blessing myself here tonight. We have over 2,500, praise the Lord. What's crazy is, now listen to what I'm saying, because I have to tell you this in scripture, because I don't quote scripture like this, you guys are gonna say, oh, this is blasphemy, because you've never heard this before. This is what Jesus said. It's better and good for me to leave the earth. This is Jesus. Jesus said this, you are better off with me being in heaven and the Holy Spirit being on earth than me being on earth and the Holy Spirit being in heaven. Now, few Christians believe this or realize this, and Christians are always saying, if I could only live in the days when Jesus was on earth. Come on, who said that? I've said that. But Jesus said, no, wrong. You're better off now with me in heaven and the Holy Spirit on earth because now you have more than those that walked with me on earth. So guess what? You have more right now than Peter had when he walked with Jesus in the Gospels. You have more right now, according to John 16, 7. He said, it's better now that I leave so I can send the Holy Spirit. So you have to understand, they understood the plan of God and the ministry of Jesus better than they ever understood it once the Holy Spirit came. So the Holy Spirit, once he came, Everything that they learned about Jesus, everything they didn't know about, it started making sense to them because they were very slow. If you don't know, the disciples were slow in the sense of at the end of the gospels, Jesus is like, you still don't know who I am. Like we've gone three years and you guys literally don't know who I am yet. So they were very slow in understanding who Jesus was. But notice the first thing that happened when the Holy Spirit came, what happened? They completely understood. It all makes sense now. Jesus is the son of God. He's the one we've been waiting for. It took us all this time. Why did they know? Because the Holy Spirit came, illuminated their minds, and their understanding was limited, and the Holy Spirit gave them unlimited understanding. And now they completely perceive Jesus differently. Secondly, they became extremely bold. Even after Jesus came back to life, remember what happened? The Bible says that they were hid away behind locked doors, fearing the Jews. They were not willing to stand up and preach. This was after Jesus. When Jesus resurrected and was walking the earth, remember he came and teleported through the wall? He walked through the wall and they're all hiding from the Jews. They're afraid and they're scared after Jesus resurrected because they didn't have the Holy Spirit to equip them to be bold. Yet the moment the Holy Spirit came, what happened? Peter who is the one that denied Jesus, always had his foot in his mouth in Acts chapter two, got up in front of all the religious people, mind you, that just killed Jesus. He went from hiding to preaching. Why? The Holy Spirit was the defining factor in the life of Peter. The Holy Spirit gives you that boldness. And the third thing that happened was they had supernatural power. The moment the Holy Spirit came, miracles begin to take place. It was just as if Jesus was back with them in person. Imagine this. Let me just say this. Jesus is gone. The disciples are heartbroken for 40 days. Jesus came up and down from heaven, teaching them of the kingdom. It's now the book of Acts. Jesus is completely gone. Think about this, y'all. I hope you're hearing me loud tonight. Jesus is completely gone. The disciples are sitting around reminiscing. Man, 
Those were the good old days. They didn't realize the good old days were not behind them. The good old days were right in front of them because they were getting ready to see the greatest revival in human history called the book of Acts, where they were going to see miracles, not through the hands of Jesus, but through the hands of the disciples. Now, three years we've been getting trained and taught. Come on now. Now we could actually do it. And one day they're sitting there and they're going, man, these were the good old days when we used to encounter God. Jesus was moving and remember, remember the blind guy? Do you, do you remember when everyone was so freaked out when he first saw and all the religious people? Remember the girl caught in adultery and we, we literally thought we were going to get stoned. And do you remember Jesus pushed through the crowd and got on his knees and wrote in the dirt and the Bible says act as though he didn't hear him? Wasn't that crazy how all the religious, what about Lazarus? Do you remember how distraught Lazarus' sisters were coming to Jesus and remember how nasty he smelled and he came out of that tomb? What about the guy, remember when we were in that house, it was packed out, sold out could not get no tickets on eventbrite and that they ripped the roof off the guy's house and remember how mad the guy was when they ripped the roof off and that lame man came down his four friends were so desperate and jesus healed him and they're sitting back man those were the good old days those were the good old days and let and peter and john go let's go pray at the temple let's go remind ourselves and guess what happens peter and john are on their way in the book of acts to the temple and there's a lame man and they're thinking back if only jesus was here if only jesus was here and the Bible says they heal the man that was lame from birth. And now all of a sudden, Peter and John look at each other. Now I'm, I'm making this, I'm paraphrasing what scripture says. Peter and John look at each other and say, wow, this feels like, this feels like before. It feels like Jesus is with us. It feels like Jesus is still here with us. And we feel like we're back then in person. This is the good old days. And it's like, it's like he never even left. And Jesus, through the Holy Spirit, is saying, boys, boys, I'm here. I'm just not here in the natural. I'm here in the spiritual. Because remember I told you, I'm going to send the Holy Spirit and I'm not going to leave you as orphans. I will be back. And I'm back through the Holy Spirit. So Jesus said this, when the Holy Spirit comes, I'm going to come back in him and I'll be with you. And I'm not going to leave you. Oh, that's good preaching. I'm not going to leave you as orphans. Friend, you have access to something that the disciples longed when they walked with Jesus. So the disciples walking with Jesus did not have it better than you have it. You have it better because now the Holy Spirit is living on the inside of you. Let me give you, I know we're 45 minutes in, okay, but we're peeking out here on viewers, so we're gonna keep going for it. Let me give you, write these down, the roles of the Holy Spirit. I'm not gonna give you tons, there's literally a hundred. I'm only gonna give you a couple roles of the Holy Spirit, the different roles that he takes on in the life of the believer. Number one, I wanna show you role of the Holy Spirit is that he is the spirit of truth. John 14, verses 16 and 17, and I will pray to the Father and he will give you another helper that he may abide with you forever, the spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him. But if you know him, he dwells in you, will be, he, dwells with, he dwells with you and will be in you. Jesus said this, I will ask the Father and he's gonna send you another helper and here's the special name of the helper. His name is going to be the spirit of truth. And it's very clear that the world cannot receive him. He's the helper and the world cannot receive him. So by becoming a believer, you are now eligible to receive the spirit of truth, who's the Holy Spirit. Unbelievers cannot receive the Holy Spirit. And this is gonna make sense to you because some of you say, oh yeah, I have a friend that's not saved, but they're very prophetic. 
No, they're not prophetic, okay? If they don't have the Holy Spirit, they're not prophetic. Prophecy is a gift of the Spirit, and if you're not a believer, you're not eligible for the Holy Spirit. Or you say, man, I have this friend, but they're not a believer, but they have so many gifts from the, from the Holy Spirit. No, they don't. The world cannot receive the Holy Spirit. In order to receive the Holy Spirit, you must be a believer. You must, I'm gonna show you later, repent. So unbelievers cannot receive the Holy Spirit. In fact, let me tell you this, the world cannot receive the Holy Spirit. One of the reasons the world cannot receive the Spirit is because humanity has turned away from God in rebellion. They won't accept the truth because the truth exposes their unrighteous deeds. So the Bible says in Romans 1.18 that they suppress the truth, and listen to what it says, in unrighteousness. So they have it, because everybody has a measure of truth, they suppress it with their unrighteous deeds. So it's so deep down, they deny it. The more they sin, the more they suppress the truth. And everything we're talking about tonight is foolishness to the world. Now I found this out yesterday on TikTok when that video went viral and I saw all the unbelievers on there saying, oh, this is fake, this isn't real. Now, do you think in my mind, I was like, oh, I'm so shocked that people think deliverance is fake. Were you like thinking I was shocked by it? I absolutely not. In fact, I was surprised on how many positive comments there were. I thought it was gonna be 99% negative because the Bible says that the world thinks things of the Spirit are foolishness. Why? Because Jesus said the world is not going to be able to receive the Spirit of truth. The Spirit of truth does not adapt to status quo. It does not adapt to culture. It does not adapt to politics. So it stands out. So I wasn't surprised when people were saying, oh, this isn't real. Of course they don't believe it's real. Literally, they can't receive the Spirit of truth. So even if they wanted to believe it's real, they can't until they've repented because they can't receive it they've suppressed the truth in unrighteousness secondly because the world is in rebellion to god they are under satan's control and dominion well that's rude it's just the reality people say well everyone's a son of god that's not true the bible says that those aren't serving that don't serve god are sons of satan jesus told the pharisees they were sons of the devil so you have to understand that the world is in rebellion they're in unrighteousness and they're enemies in their mind to god second corinthians 4 4 says that Satan is the God of this age and Revelation 12 9 says he deceives the whole world so deception is Satan's number one weapon and he relies on it to keep people enslaved and truth removes the ability to deceive and enslave people and that's why scripture says the truth will make you free the original text does not say it'll set you free. It says it will make you free. The truth is an overwhelming force that dominates darkness, okay? The truth comes and sets you free. It breaks the power of darkness and it makes you free. When I received the Holy Spirit the night I got saved, January 12, 2011, the truth, the Holy Spirit is the spirit of truth, made me free. So it's not a maybe, it's, it will make you free. Jesus said in John 14, 6, I am the truth. John 17, 17 says your word is truth. And 1 John 5, 6 says the Holy Spirit is the spirit of truth. Or uh, Holy Spirit is truth. So these are three elements, okay? Truth is Jesus, scriptures, and the Holy Spirit. When these three things come in agreement, you arrive at truth. Isaiah, how do I know if you're preaching truth tonight? How do I know if my pastor's preaching truth? How do I know I'm not following do false doctrine? These three questions have to be asked. Number one, 
Does what's being said represent Jesus as he truly is? Number two, is it in harmony with scripture? And number three, does the Holy Spirit bear witness? Because remember, the three components to truth are John 14, 6, Jesus is the truth. John 17, 17, the word of God is truth. And 1 John 5, 6, the Holy Spirit is truth. Those are the three components you have to apply to everything. So it's not enough to be at a church where the teacher could, where the preacher could preach the paint off the wall and give you all of these uh, scriptures and verses or create an appealing picture of Jesus or an evangelist can come in and show you the power of God. You don't, you, it's not truth. Truth is the Holy Spirit, Jesus, and the scriptures, those three working in harmony, to, harmony together. So please, you need all three and don't think your unsafe friends and family are going to understand you. Like, I, don't, I just don't know why they reject me and why they're being so negative. They're being so negative because they're under the dominion of Satan and Satan's kingdom is anti the kingdom of God. But guess what? You've been enlightened and I'm going to show you this. You have the truth and the truth will make you free. Number two, write this down. Number two, role of the Holy Spirit is the Holy Spirit is a teacher. In John 14, verse 25 through 26, he said, these things I've spoken to you while being present with you, but the helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to remembrance all things that I said to you. So what is he gonna teach me? All things, literally everything. Everything you need to know, the Holy Spirit will teach you. Not, well, not only was he going to teach you, but the second thing is, I'm going to remind you of things. So he says, I'm going to remind the disciples of everything Jesus taught. Remember, the Gospels are written 30 to 50 years after Jesus died. So how did the disciples remember all the details? Very easily. The Holy Spirit reminded them. The scriptures, the Bible says, were God-breathed, inspired by the Holy Spirit. The New Testament is not subject to how weak our memories are, because remember, God reminded them of the details. The Old Testament also came by the Spirit, according to 2 Peter 1.21. For prophecy, the Bible says, and this is the Old Testament, Peter says prophecy never came by the will of man, but the holy men of God, which is the Old Testament, spoke as they were moved by the Holy Spirit. So even the Old Testament was the Holy Ghost, inspired word of God. The Holy Spirit inspired the Old Testament prophets to speak God's word. That's speaking of the Old Testament. 2 Timothy 3.16 says, All scripture is given by inspiration of God and is God-breathed and is profitable for doctrine, reproof, correction, and instruction in righteousness. So tell me this, who can teach you better about a book than the author of that book? What the Bible saying is the author of the book is going to be the one teaching you about the book. Jesus is in, was an incredible Bible teacher on earth. And when he left, he said, I'm going to leave the teaching of the word, the role of teaching to the Holy Spirit to teach my people. Now, one of the things I want to say is we've removed, listen closely, okay? And I'm just going to say it because it's my broadcast and it's true. We've removed the Holy Spirit teaching and the Holy Spirit discipling by the role of men in the American church. In other words, we are so obsessed with discipleship. We have to have discipleship. We have to have discipleship. We need to have disciple groups and core groups and family groups and home groups and barbecue groups and picnic groups and discipleship, discipleship, discipleship. And I love it. Praise the Lord. I love discipleship. But understand Jesus said, I'm going to send the spirit. He's going to disciple you. So my question is, if we're so obsessed with each other discipling people, which I think we should disciple each other, but there's a level where we could replace the role of the Holy Spirit because we're so obsessed with each other. But what about the Holy Spirit discipling us? I literally got taught how to preach by the Holy Spirit. For three months minimum, I woke up almost every night standing up preaching. For three months of getting saved, the first three months, almost every night, three months, I woke up standing up in my room preaching the gospel. 
Why? Because at nighttime, while I was sleeping, the, um, this is not a lie, the Holy Spirit was discipling me. He was teaching me how to preach God's word while I was sleeping. How did you learn how to preach? Isaiah, you're so powerful, blah, 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 blah. I learned by the Holy Spirit. Now, if I would have just went and enrolled in Bible college and learned how to do hermeneutics and all exegesis and all the stuff they teach you okay i don't want to get too deep into this about how to put a sermon together make sure you start with a joke make sure you have three points make sure you have an opening point and a closing point make sure you connect with the audience make sure that you don't talk too loud make sure you don't talk too fast these are all what they teach you okay the holy spirit would not have been able to disciple me and to teach me how to preach and in fact when i was in bible college i was the only one in my bible college that did not go through preaching class and my pastor my leader my uncle literally said don't go through that because I don't want you to learn how to preach the way they teach. And the pastor of the Bible college literally said, I'm not going to require you to go through this because you already know how to preach and we don't want to mess you up. I'm not lying. They literally said that. We don't want to mess you up by trying to teach you the way we preach when the Holy Spirit has already taught you to preach. So understand, is teaching good? Is discipleship good? Yes. But let's not get so obsessed with discipleship that we remove the role of the Holy Spirit because the Holy Spirit, I promise you, could disciple you better than your pastor, okay? Praise God for discipleship and leaders, but let the Holy Spirit do what he has to do. He disciples also. He teaches. You have to understand the Holy Spirit is going to teach you the Bible. Now, the way, I, reason why I can say this is because I remember reading the Bible as a kid growing up, 15, 13, 14. I read the Bible several times before I even got saved, when I, before I was a self-proclaimed atheist. And you have to understand, the Bible was never alive to me. It was boring. It was dull all growing up. The moment I got the Holy Spirit, the Bible became alive to me. It was a living word. It was I literally didn't read it for almost two weeks of first getting saved because I would cry and shake because I went from the Bible being a dead book to the Bible being alive. How come I was so afraid of the Bible? Why would I cry and shake? Because for the first time in 19 years, the Bible was living and it was powerful and it was active. It only became alive once I had the Holy Spirit. Remember, the Bible doesn't say that Jesus is gonna lead you into truth. Jesus said, the Holy Spirit is gonna lead you into truth. So it doesn't even say the scripture leads you to truth. It says the Holy Spirit leads into truth. Now, why do I say that? Because Mormons use the Bible Jehovah's Witnesses use the Bible. How do they do it? Because they don't have the Holy Spirit. So it's not truth without the Holy Spirit. And Jesus said the Holy Spirit is going to lead you into truth. So understand the Holy Spirit's going to teach you. If the Bible is boring and dead to you, not after tonight. Once you receive the power of the Holy Spirit, it's going to become alive and active you. And listen, I got to get up at three o'clock in the morning and I'm not holding back. I'm giving it to you guys strong tonight. Hebrews 4.12 says that the word of God is alive and active, sharper than any two-edged sword. This is a living book. When you read it, it reads you. When you pick it up, it picks you up. When you finally dust it off, it'll dust you off. John 16.12, Jesus said, there's more I want to tell you but you guys can't comprehend it now. But when the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into truth. Do you, do you see this all through scripture? They're talking about the Holy Spirit coming, the Holy Spirit coming. He said, guys, listen, there's so much more I want to tell you, but you're not ready. If I told you, it'd be like pouring water into a bottle where the cap's on. There's no way. It's not pointless. It's gonna, not going to go anywhere. He said, so I'm going to stop talking now. But don't worry, because the Holy Spirit's going to come and teach you all that you need to know when you're ready. So there's some things the Holy Spirit's going to teach you that right now you're not ready to learn. And that is why you can read the Bible a year from now and say, wow, how did I understand that? Because you weren't ready a year before to learn it. And even in Isaiah Saldivar, the Holy Spirit every day is unraveling and teaching me new things I didn't know a year before or even a day before because I wasn't ready. And that is why some of you say, God, will you just show me my destiny? Show me what you want me to do for you? No, if God showed you, you would pass out. 
You would have cardiac arrest if he showed you how big the destiny was. So he unravels it through time, through the journey. He doesn't show you the end goal. He just shows you the journey because he has to do a process. Okay, number three, role of the Holy Spirit. Okay, we're going way longer than I thought. Praise the Lord. Is he gives you a, if I could have like just 10 more minutes, type one. He gives you a supernatural life. That's number three. He gives you a supernatural life. The Holy Spirit elevates you from being a natural person or living a natural lifestyle to living a spiritual, supernatural lifestyle. A lifestyle where healing the sick, casting out demons, receiving dreams, receiving visions, supernatural encounters are not rare, but they are the normal Christian life. Friend, you are called to live a supernatural life because the Holy Spirit lives in you and you're no longer bound to human constructs. Hebrews 6 verse 4 says, those who were enlightened have tasted the heavenly gift and have become partakers of the Holy Spirit and have tasted the good word of God and listen to this, the powers of the age to come. So five things happen when you get the Holy Spirit. Well, real quick, here we go. He goes, you're going to be enlightened. You're going to taste the heavenly gift, which is the eternal salvation. You're going to become partakers of the Holy Spirit. You're going to taste the good word of God. And lastly, watch this. You're going to taste the power of the age to come. So he says, notice, you're just going to get a small taste of the powers of the age to come. What is he saying? He's saying, I'm only going to give you a taste, a hint, an appetizer, and a sample, and a little bit. You're just going to get a little taste of what you have to look forward to. What is the point of sampling something? I grew up at Costco samples. My favorite time in life was going to Costco and getting a sample. The point of sampling something is so you will eventually get the full thing, the full package. So he goes, I'm going to give you a taste through the Holy Spirit, but just wait until you have the real thing. The supernatural things I do on earth are just a taste and an appetizer of the real meal you're going to experience in eternity and in glory. Look what Paul says in Ephesians chapter 1 verse 13. And you were also included in Christ when you heard the word of faith, word of truth, the gospel of your salvation. Having believed, listen to this guys, having believed, I'm reading the comments here, you are marked with a seal, the promised Holy Spirit, listen to this, who is a deposit guaranteeing our inheritance until the redemption of those who are God's possession. So he says, the Holy Spirit is a deposit. Notice, he says it's a deposit guaranteeing our inheritance. So he says that God is going to deposit the Holy Spirit. So when you buy something on layaway, now all of you young people, you don't know what layaway is, okay? My first job ever, I'm just going to have to let the cat out of the bag. 16 years old, I got hired at Kmart. Praise the Lord. And <laughs> I'm there. there's my embarrassing thing to say today. I got hired and I remember we would have layover and here's how layover works. You get an item, and in order to save the item and put it aside, because you don't want to sell out, you put a deposit down on it. This is old school. If you used to job at Kmart before, they don't do layaway anymore. I don't think anywhere. You put a deposit down. They set it aside until you're able to come back and fully purchase it. So here's what God was saying in Ephesians 1.13. He was saying, I'm putting a down payment by giving you the Holy Spirit. And because I've given you the Holy Spirit, you're going to be set apart set aside, not sold to anyone or anything else. And it is the guarantee that he's going to be coming back for you and to complete the purchase. And that is why Paul said about having a deposit until the day of redemption of those who are God's possessions. He says, you already belong to him. We've only received the down payment. The full payment is yet to come. Nobody can buy me because I've already been purchased and been set aside. And God is going to complete the payment when 
when Jesus returns. So I'm sorry, devil, to tell you that I am already paid for. The deposit and the down payment was the Holy Spirit. I've been put on Holy Ghost layaway and God is coming back. I'm a separated holy generation. I am not for sale. I'm sold out already. And God is coming back to complete the purchase when I receive my salvation in the return of Jesus Christ or when I die and go before him. So friend, you are not for sale. You need to let the enemy know because he's been coming over every weekend thinking that you have an open house and you're going to rent out a room to him and you got to let the devil know I've already been paid for. God is just going to come back and get me. I've been set apart. I've been set aside. And is that what the Bible says? We are a set apart people and God has deposited. Oh, that's a good word there, brother. God has deposited his Holy Spirit. Okay. We're almost done. Praise the Lord. My voice is gone. Praise the Lord. Number four, the Holy Spirit gives gifts. Okay, I'm not going to go into this because I've already done an hour and a half teaching on my channel. The gifts of the Spirit, the nine main gifts, 1 Corinthians 12, word of wisdom, word of knowledge, word of or gift of faith, gifts of healings, working of miracles, prophecy, discerning of spirits, kinds of tongues, and interpretation of tongues. I've already done videos on all of those. You can go find all of those on my search bar on my YouTube channel. What I want you to know about the gifts, I'm going to say this quick is these are the manifestations of the Spirit because the Holy Spirit is invisible. But through these gifts, the Holy Spirit manifests Himself. He impacts the way we see Him, the way we hear Him, the way we feel Him, and experience Him through the gifts of the Holy Spirit. So the gifts of the Spirit are the manifestation of the Holy Spirit on the earth. The gifts are also a profit for all. So these are not toys, these are tools. So write that down. The gifts of the Spirit are not the toys of the Spirit, they're the tools of the Spirit, and they're to profit everybody. And through them, we can minister to each other now, some people believe the gifts have seized. I already talked about this on Tuesday with TJ, but let me just show you one verse that proves 100% the gifts have not seized, okay? 1 Corinthians 1, 7. You do not lack any spiritual gift as you eagerly wait for our Lord Jesus Christ to be revealed. Let me say that again. 1 Corinthians 1, 7. You do not lack any spiritual gift as you wait eagerly for our Lord to be revealed. So obviously from this verse, Christians are expected to continue to exercise spiritual gifts until the return of Christ. The gifts did not end with the apostles, remember, because they didn't start with the apostles. They are not the gifts of the disciples or the gifts of the apostles. They are the gifts of the Holy Spirit. So these are not man's gifts. So I'm sorry to all those preachers that try to say the gifts have ceased. I'm sorry to tell you, friend, they're not your gifts. So you can't get up on YouTube, make your video with a million views, trying to say the gifts have ceased and a bunch of disappointed believers that didn't get healed, get up there and agree with you. That's not what the Bible says. I'm sorry that your lack of experience is creating a doctrine. Okay, I just said a lot there in that one phrase, but the Holy Spirit has not ceased. The power has not ceased. Okay, number five. The Holy Spirit helps us in prayer. Give me 10 more minutes here. Five more minutes. He helps us in prayer. Another role of the Holy Spirit is to help us in our prayers. In Romans 8, 14, Paul says that we need to be led by the Holy Spirit. He said those that are led by the Holy Spirit are the sons of God. And that actual translation is those that are continually led by the Spirit of God. These are the sons of God. So being led by the Spirit is a daily decision that you need to take on to be led. Now, you can't be led by the Spirit if the Holy Spirit doesn't help you pray. Some people are led for a few months, for a year, and they go back to the world. It's not about that. It's about being continually led by the Holy Spirit. Romans 8.26 says, In the same way, the Spirit also helps in our weakness. For when we don't know how to pray as we should, the Spirit intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. And He searches the heart and knows 
He who searches the heart knows what the mind of the spirit is because he intercedes to the, for the saints according to the will of God. So Paul says, here's our weakness, not natural. Our weakness is this, that we don't know what to pray or we don't know how to pray. Now, my first thing ever that I told God when he said, I want you to pray an hour a day when I got saved was, I don't know how to pray. But I wanna tell you something. Paul says, none of us know how to pray, okay? I already know you're weak and you don't know how to pray, but the Holy Spirit is going to pray through you. So don't be stressed out. The Holy Spirit's going to pray through you. He's going to give you words to speak. He's also not only going to pray through you when you pray in the Spirit, but He can also pray through you in words of English. And I have a video on praying in the Spirit and how to pray in the Spirit, but He says, I'm going to speak through you also English. If you've ever been praying in English and you're like, how did I say that? That was so good. I would never think to say that myself. That was the Holy Spirit praying through you. He can also illuminate your mind in prayer. And that's when the Holy Spirit shows you what you need to pray for. And it just a thought appears in your mind what you need to pray for that's the holy spirit illuminating your mind he can also put words in your mouth that's when you're literally praying and just words are coming out of your mouth and this is english and this is like when you're in an argument and someone says remember a year ago you said this and you say i didn't say that don't put words in my mouth okay the holy spirit could put words in your mouth and i'm gonna tell you how this works i have people say isaiah remember when you preached that message remember when you prayed that over me and legitimately i don't remember I'm like, no, I don't remember. I don't even have that in my notes. I have no recollection. And I legitimately don't remember because the Holy Spirit was putting words in my mouth, okay? In a good way, he was putting words in my mouth. And so I don't remember saying it because it was the Holy Spirit speaking out of me. And then of course, there's praying in the Spirit. That's 1 Corinthians 14 too. For he who speaks in an unknown tongue does not speak to men, but to God, for no one understands him. However, the Spirit speaks mysteries. So could you be full of the Holy Spirit? and never pray in the Spirit. Listen to me closely. Some of you watching say, Isaiah, I've been full of the Holy Spirit. God changed my life. I felt the power of the Holy Spirit. Everything changed. I was born again, but I don't pray in the Spirit. Why? It's the same reason why there's a lot of you that can speak in Spanish, but you don't speak in Spanish. Just because you don't doesn't mean you can't. And there's many of you watching right now that can pray in the spirit. You've just never done it. So tonight, all you're going to do as we pray is ask the Lord and begin to open up your mouth. And I prayed for thousands of people in the last 10 years to receive this. I prayed for people that said, I've, I've prayed for this for years. I prayed for this for five years, 10 years. There's no way I'm going to get it tonight. And they instantly get it. Why? Because all we have to do is ask and the spirit of God wants to give to us. I'm going to give you four very simple ways. And then we're going to end very simple and quick. Okay, I can do an hour teaching on this. I'm not going to because I want to make these very, very simple so you can remember them of how to receive the Holy Spirit because tonight, this is what we're doing. Okay, I didn't preach for an hour and seven minutes and be alive for an hour and 20 minutes when I got to get up at three o'clock in the morning. I haven't even packed yet. I didn't do all of that to get this far and not tell you how to receive them and not, and not say a prayer for you to receive them. Number one, to receive the Holy Spirit is you need to repent. You have to repent. Peter tells us in Acts 2.38, you must repent. It's the first thing. There's no way of getting around it. To repent literally means, we're going to keep it simple, to completely turn away from our rebellion, from our sinfulness, and to say, Lord, change the way I think. I am wrong. You are right. I need you to change me. Repentance is metanoia. It's a changing of the thought process. Repentance is not a one-time thing. It is a lifestyle. Acts 17.30 says the time of ignorance God overlooked, but now he commands all people everywhere to repent. So who is God asking to repent tonight? All people everywhere. So does that mean tonight Isaiah should repent? All people everywhere. Does that mean you should repent tonight? There's 2,600 of you watching. All people everywhere. God is asking every single one of us, 
listening from everywhere around the world tonight. There's literally probably every country represented tonight. All people everywhere to repent. That's what God's calling us to do. The second thing you need to do, so number one is repent. Number two is you need to ask God. You, you might say, well, that's simple, but you've never done it. Luke 11, 11, if a son asks for bread from any father among you, will he get a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will he get a snake? Or if he asks for an egg, will he get a scorpion? So if you being evil know how to give good gifts, how much more will your heavenly father give the Holy Spirit to those that ask him? So Jesus says, do you want to know how to get the Holy Spirit? You just have to ask the father. It's very simple. You ask the father for the Holy Spirit. Some say, well, if God wants me to have it, He's just going to give it to me and I'll just start speaking in tongues. My friend, that is not scriptural because that's not what Jesus said. He didn't say wait around until you get it at a conference. He said you need to ask and then you're going to go ahead and get it. Now, how do I know if I ask for the Holy Spirit, if I'll get the Holy Spirit and not speak in a demonic tongue? I know people always say, well, I don't know what if I'm speaking in a demonic tongue. I'm going to tell you how you know because Jesus said if you ask for something good, God is not going to give you something bad. So people might be in here saying, I might, I have one person recently saying, I think I'm speaking in a demonic tongue every time I pray in the spirit. And I asked them, did you ask for a demon to come into you? No. What'd you ask for? I asked for the Holy Spirit. Okay. If you ask for something good, write this down. God won't give you something bad. You are not speaking in a demonic tongue because you asked for something good. You won't get something bad. You will not get a demon from asking the Holy Spirit to come in you. I know you might say, who would ever think that brother friend? I get 300 messages a day. You would be amazed to see the messages I get of people don't know these things. Okay. Number three, and this is something you probably never heard to receive the Holy Spirit. You have to be thirsty. John 7, 37, on the last and greatest day of the festival, Jesus stood and in a loud voice said, let anyone who is thirsty come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as scripture said, rivers of living water will flow from within them. By this, he meant the spirit for those who believed would later receive. Up to that time, the spirit had not been given since Jesus had not yet been glorified. So Jesus was not talking about natural water. He was talking about the Holy Spirit. And he was saying, if you want the Holy Spirit, you need to be thirsty. God will not force his blessing on you. Those of you that don't feel you need the Holy Spirit, many of you will not receive tonight because you don't feel you need it. And in order to receive the Holy Spirit, you have to really want it. You have to really need it. You have to be thirsty. Many of you don't get it because you're not thirsty. To be thirsty is essential. Write that down. It's essential to be thirsty. It means you recognize you need more than you already have. So if you don't recognize that tonight, like, and listen, I'm praying tonight that I would be baptized afresh in the Spirit. Because the Bible says, don't be drunk on wine, but be filled with the Holy Spirit. It's continually filling of the Holy Spirit. It's not a one-time encounter. You can be continually filled. Some of you tonight, you might say, well, I'm already full of the Holy Spirit. Well, guess what? Tonight, you're going to get filled another time. Remember, the disciples were filled with the Holy Spirit several times in the book of Acts. So you have to recognize tonight, if you're in this broadcast and you want to be filled with the Holy Spirit, you have to be thirsty and recognize. So thirst is the strongest desire, one of them, in the human body. When people are thirsty, they don't care about eating. They don't care about satisfying other needs. All they want is something to drink. And Jesus goes, be that desperate. I'm talking a week in the desert, dying for thirst, looking for some little bit of water. And you stumble over a sand mountain and you see a huge, whatever those are called, thing, water in the middle of a desert. I don't know. I forgot what they're called. But you see a huge one and you go down there and you're running to get a drink. That's how desperate. Seven days, I haven't drank as a deer pants for water. What does that mean? It means the deer is going to die if it doesn't get water. And David said, that's the way my soul is 
longing after you God my soul longs for the Spirit of God it's thirsty for water so you need to be thirsty and then fourth oasis thank you someone said a mirage and oasis okay I was at the tip of my tongue number four is to drink okay you got to drink now some of you don't drink the Holy Spirit you don't partake of the Holy Spirit you're just like I'm just there if he wants to give it to me Jesus said in John 7 37 drink of me drink of the Spirit and this is simple people don't talk about drink means to receive something by decision or will or physical act it's a similar process to require to get the Holy Spirit as you need to use your own human will and say I want to receive this you cannot be passive well if God wants to do it let him do it that's not drinking drinking is to actively receive within you and God is saying tonight who wants to drink and with that being said my voice is gone and my throat is scratchy and burning so I need to take a drink there tonight is the night to drink we're gonna repent we're going to be thirsty we're gonna ask God we're gonna drink so let's just begin to pray and let's ask the Lord to fill us okay there was your hour and 15 minute message on the Holy Spirit father we pray tonight first of all okay let, let's do this let's start right we're gonna start by repenting because I'm not gonna give you these four ways and then not do these four ways we're gonna repent so let's start by asking God now this is an interactive stream tonight this is not me praying for you you're not gonna sit back laying back on your you know soaking this is not a soaking ministry soaking stream this is going to be right now us receiving the Holy Spirit for those that are serious so the first thing we're new is we're gonna begin to repent you need to repent for yourself I cannot repent for you in Acts 2 38 they said what must we do and Peter said you must repent so let's just repent right now father we repent in the name of Jesus for anything we've done wrong any of our sins we pray Lord that you would change the way that we think you would change the way that we act that from the very inside of us that Lord we want to follow you forgive us of our rebellion God that we've turned from you that we've compromised that we've strayed away from your word that we strayed away from your will and father we are asking tonight for repentance to come over us we repent god if there's any sins david said search my heart and find if there's anything that offends you lord right now if there's anything in isaiah saldivar's life that offends you anything anything we pray lord that you would point it out and i repent of it god and i turn to you and i ask you lord to change my mind renew my mind according to your word change the way that i think change the way that i act i want to know you like i've never known you forgive me lord if there's any religious tendencies if there's any pride if there's any compromise if there's any arrogance i just pray repentance in jesus name lord release the gift of repentance please your word tells us for all men everywhere to repent every one of us need to repent tonight all men everywhere it's all of us so lord tonight we thank you for your gift of repentance we thank you for your power and we repent and we turn to you and then number two is we're going to ask for it so this is very simple father we ask you for the holy spirit luke 11 11 you said in your word if you being evil know how to give gifts how much more do you want to give the spirit to those that ask so it's not a religious prayer we remember we pray we talk to god like we talk to each other in prayer it doesn't have to be religious and father we ask you just ask the father in your own words you don't have to pray what i'm praying in your own words i'm just showing you how i would pray this how i'm lord we ask you just put your hands out like you're receiving a gift and just say father I ask you for the Holy Spirit I ask you for it Lord please tonight asking the Holy Spirit right now please Lord pour out your Holy Spirit give me the gift of the Holy Spirit we've learned about it for an hour and 20 minutes Lord we want your Holy Spirit we need your Holy Spirit please pour out your Holy Spirit over us tonight Lord thank you we need this Holy Spirit we can't survive without it and then Lord we're thirsty just be thirsty tonight we drink of you we're thirsty God you said if we thirst and tonight we are desperate we use our human will and desperation to say Lord fill us with your spirit father I come before you tonight thirsty I come broken I come tired I come desperate 
I am needy. I'm a beggar. I'm poor in spirit and I need you. There's no pride here. There's no room for pride tonight. I want you right now in your own words to say, Lord, I'm desperate. I need you. And then just drink of them. Just receive them. Sit there. If you need to sit there and quiet, close your eyes. And then if you feel it bubbling up in you, just begin to pray in the spirit. If you feel that coming on you, some of you, it would be good if you don't think of English. You just sit with your mind blank and you feel that bubbling up. We just pray right now that you would be full of the Holy Spirit. Lord, the same thing that Paul did in Ephesus where he laid hands and they received the Holy Spirit. Tonight, we pray that they would be full of the Holy Spirit in Jesus' name. We pray over you the baptism of the Holy Spirit. We say be filled with the Holy Spirit. If you've never prayed in tongues, just begin to right now. Open your mouth. No English. Begin to pray in tongues. Father, we just pray right now, rivers of living water to flow out of them. That they would, we're not speaking for interpretation. You're like, well, you shouldn't pray in tongues with, or speak in tongues without interpretation. That's not what I'm doing. 1 Corinthians 14, this is praying in an unknown tongue to God. No one can interpret this. This is my prayer language. And I want you just to pray. I'm not interpreting. I'm praying in the spirit. And I want you just to begin to pray in the spirit. If you've never prayed, let that bubble up out of you. Father, I just pray you loose their tongue right now. And that river of living water would bubble out of them. And they would just begin to pray in the Holy Spirit. I see people in the chat saying they're getting it right now. Come on, just receive the Holy Spirit. Father, Robo release your Holy Spirit fire. Father, right now, release it in Jesus' name. Release it in Jesus' name. Fill them with your Holy Spirit in Jesus' name. I'm reading your guys' comments. Don't overthink it, guys. The number one hindrance is pride, is overthinking it. It doesn't have to sound like mine. Someone says they just spoke in tongues for the first time. It doesn't have to sound like mine right now. God desires to give you this. Every one of you can pray in tongues if you have the Holy Spirit. I'm convinced of that. This is not the gift of 1 Corinthians 12 where you speak in an unknown language. It's not what we're doing. 1 Corinthians 14, we're praying, and Romans talks about this, in mysteries to God, the will of God. This is not speaking in tongues. This is praying in tongues. Fill them right now, Lord. I'm reading your comments. There's no right way to do it. There's no right way, guys. It doesn't have to sound a certain way. Father, right now, we say, fill them with your Holy Spirit. Fill them right now. Fill them right now. In Jesus' name. Someone said, what if I sing in tongues? That's fine. Go ahead and sing in tongues. This changes everything, guys. When you don't know what to pray, you pray in tongues. 95%, if not more, of my prayer time is praying in tongues. Right now, you feel tingling. Let it out of you, sister. Let it out of you. Father, we thank you. There's no striving. You're not less than if you don't do this, but I'm telling you, God wants this to God wants you to have this in Jesus' name. Fill us, Lord, in Jesus' name. Fill us, Lord, in Jesus' name. Fire of God. We thank you, Lord, that people are repenting right now. We thank you that you're fire, God, that you are a holy God. There's no one like you and that your fire is being released in homes right now. I see the fire of God being released in living rooms. I see the Holy Spirit being released in children right now. John the Baptist was baptized in his mother's womb. So you're telling me your kids can't be baptized in the Holy Ghost? Fill them right now in Jesus' name. Fill them right now in Jesus' name. Fill them right now in Jesus' name. Father, we ask you to fill them with the Holy Spirit. Rivers of living water. Rivers of living water. Someone said, I'm at work at Amazon crying and speaking in tongues. Come on, somebody. 
Come on, Victoria, get it. In Jesus' name, people are at work right now speaking in tongues and crying. In Jesus' name, we pray Holy Spirit fire. Holy Spirit fire. Someone said, I realized that tonight I had the Holy Spirit tongues and I wasn't speaking in demonic tongues. Praise the Lord. He was afraid he spoke in demonic tongues. Come on, Alex, praise the Lord. Speak in tongues, bro. Father, fill us. Right now, come on, if you want this, you got it already. You're in tears, praise the Lord. You got it right now. I'm reading the chat. Speak it out right now. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name, Father, loose their tongue right now in Jesus' name. Every unbelief, every hindrance, every doubt. Right now, I've literally seen thousands of people get this, guys. I know God can do it to you tonight. There's 2,600 of you listening right now. Be filled with the Holy Spirit in Jesus' name. Be filled in Jesus' name. Father, release your Holy Spirit power. Release your Holy Spirit anointing in Jesus' name. Fire of God, we ask, Lord. You said you're a good Father. You'll give to those that ask. In Jesus' name. We're just going to go like two more minutes here. Father, pour out your spirit upon us. Pour out your spirit upon us in Jesus' name. Thank you so much for listening to this week's episode of the Revival Lifestyle Podcast. If you like what you heard, go to www.isaiahsaldivar.com for more content. And please follow me on Facebook, YouTube, and Instagram at Isaiah Saldivar. See you next week.